And everyone said, amen. As you have a seat, tell two people next to you, tell them welcome home. They need to know they're welcome. They need to know they're loved. Man, I hope you know it. If you don't know it, by the time we're done together, I promise you will know that you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Do me a favor. Repeat after me. Say, if I just had. If I just had. If you're watching online, listening online, type in the comments, if I just had. And how will you finish the sentence? Think about it. If I just had. You ever play that game? If I just had, you know... Gosh, if I just had a better job. If I had a better job, you know what? I would, I would enjoy going to work. I wouldn't look for an opportunity to call in sick. I wouldn't try to leave early every day. If I just had a better job. If I just had more money, right? I mean, if I just had a little more money, right? Then we could get the house that we wanted. Then we could maybe go on the vacation that we wanted. If I just had. If I just had more time. If I just had more time, that pile of laundry that's been looking at me for like six months, you know, battling me and I'm battling it, I could get through that pile of laundry. If I had more time, I could get my entire house clean. If I just had, on, actually on that same lens of cleaning, I just got to be honest with you. My, I've reached, I don't know about you, but I've reached the stage of life where something's changed. I've realized something. The songs that I used to drink to are now the songs that I clean to. I mean, that's, is that kind of sad? That's where it's at for me. I'll be like dusting, be like, hey, hey, bye, 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 bye. You know, I, no, I do not party to NSYNC, as far as you know. But, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. If I just had more time, if I just had more energy, if I just had more energy, I could get to the gym. I could feel better about myself. I could, I could look better if I just had more energy. If I just had more energy. Speaking of time and energy in the gym, I'll tell you something else. The law of time does not exist in the gym. I'm just being honest with you. The law of time, I realized, is found out firsthand. And this is how I found out. I got on a treadmill. I was crazy enough to do that. And I got on a treadmill and I set it for 20 minutes. You know what? You know what? It took three hours. It, I don't know how it happened. It, it, it felt like it took three hours. I don't know. So um, the law of time doesn't exist. But if I just had more energy, if I just had more time, if I just had more whatever, how would you finish the sentence? Another way to say that is this. My greatest need is blank. What is your greatest need? Think about that for just a second. What's your greatest need? If I, if I just had, if, I, this, if this need was just met, boy, I'm glad you're here today because I want to tell you something about the greatest need that you're thinking about in your head right now. Here's a fact. Your greatest need, your greatest need can be your greatest blessing when you draw close to God. It's insane. And I'm not just telling you that. I'm going to show you this. God is going to show, this, show you this because I'm telling you, your need matters to God. But when, when that need when you draw close to God, that need will become your greatest blessing. This is what happened for, for Elisha and these kings uh, in the Old Testament. We're in a series called Cut the Cord. And in this series, we're looking at the life of an Old Testament prophet named Elisha. Now, Elisha, this is going down Old Testament, pre-Jesus coming to earth, 850 years before Jesus was born, is what we're talking about here. And, and as, as I set this up for you, I, I, I got to show you a map, and I'm going to use a laser pointer because that makes me feel important. So, um, so look at this map. This map is our setting for today. This is, this is Israel and some surrounding areas. So the kings 
Three kings that we're talking about today are the king of Israel, the green, the king of Judah, and then down here, I don't know, you can't see this, but this yellow part down here, uh, that's, the, that's Edom. So the king of Edom is down here. Moab, the purple right here, King Misha. So here's what's going down as I set up this story for you. And, you, and if you want, as I'm doing this, go to 2 Kings, what is it, 19? Second, no, 2 Kings 3, verse 9 is where I'm starting to preach from. So, so here, let me set it up. King, the king of Moab, they're kind of uh, under the reign of King Israel, of the king of Israel. The king of, the king of Israel, Ahab, was an evil king. Now he's done. His reign is over. So Misha, the king down here in Moab, he sees an opportunity. Because Moab, right now, like every year Moab, they're known for their sheep. Just like the farm I grew up on, we were known for our sheep. Moab, they're known for their sheep. So every year they got to pay like 100,000 sheep to Israel and 100,000 rams to Israel. Well, King Misha don't want to do that no more. And he's like, if Ahab, that evil king's out of the picture, this is my opportunity to cut ties with Israel and we'll do our own thing and we're not under them anymore. So, so the king here wants to do that. So this king up here doesn't like that. So he says, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to this king and I'm going to talk to this king and we're going to come together and we're going to go after that king of Moab. And we're going to set him straight. We're going to slide him around a little bit. Make sure he understands where we're coming from. So the three kings on the left side collaborate together. And they're going to head over to the other side of the Dead Sea. And they're going to do a little conversation with the king of Moab. That, that's where we're at. It's so important that you get that. So 2 Kings 3 verse 9. So just like I told you. So the king of Israel went to the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on a, on a roundabout route for seven days. They're marching underneath, remember the Dead Sea, to go to the other side. And here's their need. Here's what happened to them on their little camping trip. One more reason, I don't camp. Here's what happened. And, and, and they came to a point where they ran out of water. There's no water. No water for them, no water for their animals, nothing. They have a very specific need, you could say. They have a very specific, if I just had, if we just had water, we might live. We might make it to, to Moab. They had a need. Verse 10 is kind of comical. So listen to the king of Israel. Remember that, the king up in Israel, the one that's really heading the charge? This is what he says. Alas, for the Lord has done this. It's his fault. The Lord has called us three kings together to deliver us into the hand of Moab. In other words, God, it's your fault we ran out of water. It's God, it's your fault we didn't pack for our little trip. You ever, you ever blame God for something that's your fault? Come on, of course you haven't, right? I know I haven't. Oh God, I don't, why? Why am I going through this trial? God, why am I, why do I, why do you continually allow these migraines to happen? Why is my head, it's always throbbing. It must be the lights, I'm sensitive. And God's up in heaven saying, you know what? Uh, could it be the eight beers that you drank last night and you chased with four shots of fireball? I mean, could that be the case? No. God, it could, it's got to be the migraines. God, <laughs> yeah, don't act like... Okay, anyway, so verse 11. But King Jehoshaphat... Okay, that, that baby name is still available. Works for a guy or a girl. I'm just throwing it out there. King Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah. So he says, wait a minute. Is there no prophet? Is there, is there no prophet around... Of the Lord here, that we can inquire the Lord by him. In other words, isn't there a prophet that we can speak to, that they speak to God and we can get some help? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, hey, you know what? Elisha, Elisha, you know, that, that son of Shaphat, he's around here. The one, you know, he poured water on the hands of Elijah, the other prophet. 
I think he's around. So they want Elisha to come on the scene. Remember, he's the center of this whole series. So understand something. At this point, Elisha, when it comes to prophets, he's like the leading vote-getter for rookie of the year. I kid you not. He has, he has split the Jordan River, a miracle. He has literally cleaned out a, a spring that is contaminated with water. He cleaned it out by speaking to it. Okay, Elisha did something so crazy, you're going to think I'm, I'm, I'm just feeding you full of something. And I'm not. The Bible's crazy. You got, if you're not reading it, you got to read it. Because one time, Elisha had an encounter with some boys. Now, apparently, Elisha didn't have much up top. Asked for hair. Like, we know that because the boys were literally making fun of Elisha. They were, like, calling him names. This is in the Word of God. They were calling him, like, hey, Baldy. Hey, Chrome Dome. And they're, getting, they're making fun of Elisha. Well, Elisha didn't take too kindly to that. In fact, Elijah got a little ticked off. And it's, the Bible says that Elisha cursed the boys in the name of the Lord. And as soon as Elisha cursed them, you know what happened? Two bears come out of the wilderness and maul the boys. I mean, I kid you, you can't make this stuff up. It is in the word of God. This happened. What is the moral of the story? Right? Okay, number one, don't make fun of anybody with a receding hairline, right? Don't be doing that. <laughs> Looking around at different people. I'm not going to say anything. So, and you know... Mr. Clean, you leave him alone. Leave his cronies alone. He, uh, number two, Elisha. I, I actually had some fun with this because I thought to myself, I didn't really realize Elisha was bald. I said, what would that look like or feel like? So this week, I, I did something weird. I'll, well, I do something weird every week. But this week, I'll tell you about it. This week, I decided to shave my head and see what I would look like bald. And here's a picture just so you can see it. I mean, this is what your pastor would look like with no hair. Okay, it's not that funny. Okay, don't make me call on the bears. Uh, it's, yeah. So, okay, that's wrong. I, kind of an Andre Agassi look, though. Okay, take that down. That's enough. I mean, and you're thinking, well, how'd your hair grow back so quick? Well, God is still in the business of miracles. So here we are. So, yeah, say there's an app for that. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. Um, back, to the, back to the story, Jehoshaphat. So, it, so they're crying out to God through a prophet and understand something. Verse 12, let me read it first, because Jehoshaphat says something. He says, hey, the word of the Lord is with this Elisha, this rookie of the year, this new prophet who comes on the scene. God's with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the other king, the three kings that are involved here, they go down to Elisha. Now understand something about those three kings that are going after the king of Moab. They're not really serving the Lord God. They're not. Certainly the king of Israel isn't, and certainly the king uh, of Edom isn't. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Maybe a little bit. He's, he's not an evil king, but he, he made some mistakes. I mean, he, he let his kid marry one of King Ahab, the evil king's kids, and that was a horrible mistake. So, But none of them are really close to God. But it's so interesting. All of a sudden, they're in trouble with no water in the desert, and they're crying out to God. Let, let's cry out to God through a prophet. Oh, God, you get us through this. God, you send us water. You fill up these canteens. We'll never be this stupid again. We'll never do it again. Right? We've never done that either, have you? Like, like cry out to God. Got real religious when you're in trouble? I have. I've gotten real religious, even when I wasn't very religious. But I remember one time I got done golfing, and I was driving back home 40 miles to home. Uh, I get 10 miles out of, from the golf course, and I look in the rearview mirror, and it's that, you know, you see that car with the lights on top, and the, woo, woo, yeah. So it's a horrible feeling. But all of a sudden, I got really religious. I'm like, oh, my God. God, you get me through this. And I was praying to God. I was praying to Yahweh. I was praying to the great I am. I was praying to the Holy Spirit. I was praying to baby Jesus, teenage Jesus, adult Jesus. I didn't care who showed up. I'm like, God, you get me through this. And sure enough, God showed up. Warning. 
I just got a warning. It was great. I always get tickets, and I just got a warning. So, but the story wasn't over because 22 minutes later, when I was about five minutes from home, I looked in the rearview mirror, and guess what? Yeah, woo, woo, again, different cop pulling me. I, you can't make this stuff up. Seriously, this happened to me. So, I, and you, somebody's thinking, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and sometimes the reason is I'm dumb, okay? Who gets picked up twice in 20 minutes? I do. Oh, you do too? All right, we got something in common. So, <laughs> nothing to be proud of. So, uh, anyway, so I, I, uh, we cry out to God when we, get, uh, when we get in trouble, don't we? When the jail cell, when, when, the, when the jail shuts, or when, you know, when the breakup happens, we go to God. That's what they're doing. Oh, Elisha, help us. Have God help us. And Elisha's like, you know what Elisha says? Oh, now you want my help. Oh, I thought you, were, you weren't really close to me before or God that I serve, but now that you're in trouble and you have no water, you want my help. And listen to what Elisha says in verse 13. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your mom. Go to the prophets of your dad. The prophets of your, the, these pagan prophets or these pagan gods that you serve. Go there. But the king of Israel said, again, the king of Israel complaining, no, the Lord, he's called us, he's called us together. He wants to deliver us into the hand of Moab, still complaining. And Elisha's like, you know what? As the Lord of the hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I have regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat. In other words, what he's saying is, you know what, king of Israel, I, I, don't really, I, I, don't want, I want nothing to do with you. King of Edom, I want nothing to do with you. If it wasn't for this king of Jehoshaphat, the guy that, he's all right. I, I, he's okay. I can hang out with him a little bit. If it wasn't for him, I'd be gone. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, um, Elisha said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I would not even look at you. I would not see you. But, it, but, but you know what I'm going to do? You, here's what I'm going to do. Because of Jehoshaphat, I'm going to help you. And then he says, you know what I need? Oh, God, here's what I need if I'm going to help you get water. And then he calls for a musician. He says, get me a musician. And I'm sure they're like, what? We're out in the middle of a desert and you want, I mean, okay, Elisha, I'm not trying to be rude, but we don't need Lil Wayne. We need a little water. I'm just, I'm just saying that's a musician, but that's what he asked for. And the musician, they get a musician, the musician, the harpist, we believe played and the hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha. Listen to this. And he said, thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you won't see wind and you won't see rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water so that you, your cattle, your animals may drink. And not only that, because I'm not a God that just meets your needs. I'm a God that exceeds your needs. Not only that, this is simple for me. And I will deliver not just water, but I will deliver the Moabites into your hand. And it's nothing to me. I can do it like that. I am the Lord, your God. I told you earlier, your greatest need can be your greatest blessing. When you draw close to God, they drew close to God in their turmoil, in their struggle, in the desert, and God shows up, God shows off. Isn't it interesting? If you've been coming to Meadows Church more than a few weeks, you know that, you know, I've, I've got a past like many of you have a past. Thank God we're a church where, where it's okay to not be okay. Aren't you grateful that you don't have to be okay to come to Meadows Church? I am so grateful that you don't have to get cleaned up to come here. God will clean you up. You keep coming. But I am not okay in many ways. And when I was in my drug addiction, I'll tell you something. I had a need. And it got so bad that I started crying out to God. God, I need your help. I, I, I need you to get me out of this mess. I need you to get me out of this darkness. I need you to get me out of this hole that I've created for myself. But here's the problem that I was doing. I was praying to God nonstop. 
But it was stopping then. I would pray and then that would be it. I would pray and that would be it. It would just stop with prayer. You know what I wasn't doing? I, I wasn't digging a ditch. I wasn't digging a ditch. What do you mean, pastor? Let me take you back to verse 16 in case you missed it. And the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. I have a question. If they don't dig ditches in the valley, if the kings don't grab a shovel and go to work, I have a question. Does the water flow? Does God send the water? I hope you're starting to see this. They have to dig the ditch. I wrote it down this way. I said, actually, I put it as a question. What water in your life, what blessings in your life are being stopped because you're not digging a ditch. God, God is the father of blessings. He is the giver of blessings. He is the giver of life, love, and anything good in this world. And it waits. And God looks at us and he says, I need you to participate in the miracle. I need you to dig a ditch. What ditches aren't we digging? What are we missing out? If they don't dig the ditch, God doesn't send the water. And here's the thing, only God can send the water. Only he can do it, but he expects you to dig a ditch. He's asking you to dig a ditch. He wants you to dig a ditch. See, I expected sobriety when I prayed for it. I expected a new life when I prayed for it. I, I was literally was begging for it, but I wasn't digging a ditch. And you know what ditch God told me to bring? God told me to dig? Here's what he said. God said, as I was driving down the road, he said, dig a ditch. I'm like, all right, what ditch am I supposed to dig? He said, go tell your wife about the addiction that you've been hiding for years. And I'm like, you want me to go home and like, like just lay it out there? He's like, yep, go tell your wife. And I was like, can you tell her? <laughs> I didn't want it. I'm like, no. But I had to dig a ditch. You dig a ditch, God will send the rain. So I go home and, and I dig this ditch and, I, and I, I get with Jody and I tell her what's going on. And, and what I thought was gonna happen after I told her, I thought she might bury me in a ditch. I'm not kidding, she was... Not happy, but understandably so. It was a life of a many lies and, I mean, years. But I dug a ditch, and God started to bless it. But the ditches that I had to dig, dig in, that route, in that road, it couldn't just stop by telling somebody. I had to keep digging. So I dug another ditch, and I went to rehab. And then I dug another ditch, and when rehab was done, I started to go to a 12-step program, understanding the 12 steps and how they're Bible-based, and I'm learning more, and I'm digging ditches, and I'm learning more, and I'm digging ditches, and I keep digging. And finally, I dig this ditch, and I dig this ditch, and it says, I'm going to go back to the bride of Christ. I'm going to go back to the local church that I've been a part of, or I've been away from for 15 years, and I dig a ditch, and I go into the church. And God shows up, and I dig a ditch, and I keep coming back, and I'm telling you, my greatest need became my greatest blessing. Why? Because God didn't just give me sobriety. God gave me salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he did. You dig a ditch, he'll send the rain. I promise you. It was God's miracle, but I had to participate. He, he said, I've got water for you more than, a, more than you could ever dream or imagine. You need to participate. You need to prepare. Are you preparing? for a miracle? Are you preparing for a blessing? I'm talking action, just so you know. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. Well, I've got faith. It doesn't matter if you're not digging ditches and living it out. It doesn't matter. I told you, I prayed hundreds of times 
God save me from this hole that I'm in. And, and nothing would happen. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. And this might sound weird coming from your pastor, but this is what I believe. Prayer without preparation is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. But let me finish before you, you know, let me finish. Preparation without prayer is a waste of energy. You need both. You understand? You need to prepare like God's going to do it. And then you need to pray like you have no hope. And when you put those things together, God will change you. God will send rain. I promise you. It, it is both. Just like faith without works is no faith at all. So Elisha. He had to participate with God and talk to him. The three kings, they had to grab shovels and participate with God. They had to do it. They had to participate in the miracle. And I'll, So I'll be vulnerable with you. I'll tell you there's some miracles. I'm just being honest. There's some miracles, pieces of the miracle that I don't want to participate in. Like I fight God on it. It's funny because when I talk to Pastor Casey, some of you know him, uh, Crossover Church, a church that we're launching in the fall, again, because, you know, we're doing it for real this time because COVID is, you know, lessening. Um, I told Pastor Casey, I said, yeah, I'm doing a series called Cut the Cord. And I said, it's on the life of Elisha, the prophet. And he's like, cut the cord. He goes, you mean like cut the umbilical cord? And I was like, no, Casey, that's not what I mean at all. I, no, no. But I thought about it, but it made me laugh because I thought about the... The birth of a baby and the miracle. It's a miracle, right? The miracle of a baby. But then I thought about uh, my kids being born. Ava, I don't know if it was you or your brother. I can't remember what little baby it was. But the doctor, after you, after you were born or your brother, he looked at me holding the umbilical cord. He's like, hey, you want to participate in the miracle? You want to cut the cord? And I looked at that cord and it was slimy and slimy. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pass. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm gonna, you keep showing me that. I'm going to pass out. I mean, go put that away. You do what you're paid to do. I'll go over in the corner and suck my thumb, okay? Is it a deal? That's what we're doing. I was like, no, I won't do it. I did participate in that, that miracle on the front end. I'll just say that. But I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so you got to participate. Peter, Peter, you want to walk on water? Well, you got to get out of the boat, right? A uh, uh, paralyzed man, you want you want to be not paralyzed. You want to be well. You got to you got to get up. You got to pick up your mat. You got to walk. There was at one time a guy had a a, a lame hand, a crippled hand, and, and you know what Jesus told him? Jesus said, "Stretch out your hand." And, and so the man had to literally dig a dish, and as he dug his dish and stretched out his own hand, it was healed in the process. Do you, do you see what God is doing? So, speaking of a paralyzed man, one more quick one. There was a time when these four friends put their friend who was crippled on a mat, and they brought him to Jesus. Some of you, maybe you've heard the story. And if you haven't, I'll just tell you. They got to the house where Jesus was. It was so packed full of people, they couldn't even get in. So they climb up on the roof, and they dig through the, the, they dig through the roof, and they bring the guy down. Listen to what Jesus says. This, I, I read this this week, and I'm like, just listen. Luke 5.20 is when it went down. This is Jesus speaking. It says, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Okay, here's a Jesus. I have a question. Yeah, yeah, you in the front. I have a question. How did you see their faith? Like, 
Like, how do you see faith? Like some of you, you're, you're sitting here, or you're watching online, you're faith-filled. I can't see it. I don't know. There's no bubble above your head that says, hey, look at me, pastor. I'm full of faith. I'm ready to rock. If there was a bubble above your head, I'd be freaking out, honestly. That'd be weird. But there's, I don't know. I, I can't see it until you show it. How did Jesus, he said, seeing their faith. Well, how'd you see it? What they did. When they put their friend on a mat, they were digging a ditch. When they start walking to where Jesus was, they were digging a ditch. When they got to the place and said, dang it, there's a lot of people here. We can't get in. We'll climb up on the roof. They're digging a ditch. And then they dug a ditch and literally climbed through the roof, seeing their faith. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just heal the man's body. He heals his soul. Your sins are forgiven. He didn't even ask for that. But God's plans are always better than your plans. Oh, Jesus, we want to be touched like that. Let me give you the last verse of 2 Kings. Because remember, they're, they're digging ditches. That's where we left our story off. The ditches and the valley are dug. What does God do? The next morning. It happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered. That suddenly, say suddenly. Suddenly, everything can change in your life. If you let God get a hold of you. Suddenly, water came by way of Edom. And the land was filled with water. Why? Because they did what they could do. They did what they could do. If you will do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. If you will do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. What blessings. I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to keep asking you. And I'm asking me, what blessings am I not getting? Not because of God, but because of me. I'm not digging ditches. I'm not doing what I can do. What am I missing out on? You're asking God to move in your life, and God is asking you to participate. God is asking you, are you prepared for me to move? I've got water up to here. But if there's no ditches to hold it, it'll run right by you, and you won't have a thing. You'll miss it all because you can't hold what I have for you because you're not preparing for the blessing to be yours. You see what I'm saying? You see what the word of God is saying? It's interesting. So this is a pot full of dirt. And, you, and I look at this and I thought to myself, what ditch do I need to dig in my life? You know how you dig a ditch? One scoop at a time. That's how you dig it. Let's get practical before, before, we end, before we close today. Can we get real with each other? Some of you, you've been begging for God to move in a relationship or even bring you in a relationship. And that's where you're at. And here's the thing. You haven't started digging ditches. I mean, you've asked God for it. You prayed God for it, but you haven't started to dig in the dirt and start scooping it out. So, so here's the thing. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Oh God, I want a, I want a, I want a person that, that is good, good for me. I want a person that is good to me, God. I, I want a person that has my hobbies and has my interests and I have theirs and we go great together. I just want this good person. And God, since you give me, you know, since you, you're a good God, I want them to be good looking. Let's just go all out of my, if I'm going to ask God, I just want it all. And God's like, I hear you, but what ditch are you digging for that person to come into your life? Because here's the thing, and you, some of you already know this, you attract who you are. You do. You attract who you are. You want someone that, 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 that loves the Lord? Seek God with all your heart. You dig that ditch. You, okay, you know what? I'm going to get in the Word of God. 
I don't know what it has to do with a relationship. It has everything to do with your relationship with God and with somebody else. You start getting in the word of God, I'm gonna start reading like a scripture a day. I'm, I'm digging a ditch. I'm gonna go to church. It's not gonna be just a casual thing I do when there's nothing else going on, but I will be there week in and week out with other like-minded people serving God, loving God, not just going, but being the church. I will be in a life group. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm gonna love people like God loves people. I'm digging ditches. I'm gonna go to the gym. I wanna be physically fit. If I want someone who looks good, I wanna look good because I attract who I am. You start digging ditches that way, God will send the water, I promise you. What ditch are you digging? Remember prayer without preparation? I wouldn't waste your time. I wouldn't. Parents, I'm talking to me and you. What about us? If I were to ask you, what is your greatest need for your children? Of everything that you could give your kid, your grandkid, whatever, what would it be? Some of you, you already know the answer. If you've ever been to a child dedication at Meadows Church, I guarantee you know the answer because we tell them straight up. Parents, your number one job, your number one, your number one responsibility with your children is to point that little boy or that little girl to Jesus. And how you do that is you train them, you teach them to do what? Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love others as he loves them. There's not one parent in here that you would say, I don't want my kid to sell out to God or love other people. You want that desperately. And I already know that about you, even if I don't know you. Because we love our kids. That's the number one thing, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. My question is, are you digging a ditch for that to happen in your child's life? Are you? I mean, I'm, I'll get real with you. Because some, it's like, are you, okay, if loving God and loving others, and, and the foundation of God's word is the number one thing for my kid, are you even opening the word of God with your kid at all? Are you praying with your child on a consistent basis? Are you bringing them into an environment where they can love, fall in love with the Lord? Checking them into our incredible kids' ministry, your students, your 6 through 12th graders, checking them into our youth ministry. By the way, huge announcement on our youth ministry next week. Can't tell you this week because got to get you back. So anyway, I can't wait. So um, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But what are you doing? How are you doing that? Because you can't tell me that I, I, I'm, I'm training my kids to love God. Love God, love others. That's what I want. If my kid does nothing else, they're going to love God and love others. I don't care what they do for a job. It doesn't matter who they're with. If they're loving God and loving others, that's all I care about. Is that, if that's real, if that's true what you're saying, you can't let other things dominate your time. Because the time that you're spending is the dishes that you're digging. The time that you're spending doing something, those are the ditches that you're digging. So if all, if all you're focused on, oh God, we gotta be in all these activities. Oh God, we gotta have all the good friends. We gotta, we gotta play the part. We gotta look popular, whatever the case is. Gotta be on all the sporting events. And I'm not anti-sports. I love sports. My kids, Jake just started baseball. Ava, you're in tennis. I'm learning some things about tennis, high school sports. Like, you don't talk as a spectator in tennis. I, did you know that? You don't. It was weird. Like, I'm like, no one's screaming at anybody. I mean, I want to yell and scream like a maniac. What's going on here? You, you can't do it. It's like illegal, I guess. It's, it's different. And I'm telling you, I don't, I don't like it because it's hard. Two weeks ago, Ava, you were in a match against, I, I don't know the kid's name, some other school, and you hit a shot, and I was watching it, and the kids in high school tennis, they're the referee too. There's no referee, so if it's out, they just call it out and whatever. It's the honor system. So Ava hits this shot, and you hit the line, Ava. I'm sorry I didn't tell you before, but you hit the line. That's a good thing because in tennis, the line means it's good. And her opponent said, out. And I was like, liar. I, but I didn't. But I was thinking it. I was like, 
I was, if they knew what I was thinking, Ava, you wouldn't be in tennis and I wouldn't be the pastor of this church, okay? I was hot. There's a, this, actually, it's probably a good rule. They don't allow, anyway, so what was I talking about? Okay, um, yeah, sports. So we're in sports, but Ava, so you're in tennis. Tennis is really 3.30 to roughly 5.30 Monday through Friday. That's 10 hours that I'm digging ditches to get my daughter to be good in tennis, build relationships, learn sportsmanships, all good things. If I'm digging ditches for 10 hours on tennis, and we go to church for an hour on Sunday, and that's all we do? But, but, but I'm teaching you to love God and love others. It's the number one thing that I'm teaching you to do. I'm your parent. I'm doing that. And God's like, you've dug a badly full of ditches over here for tennis, which is okay, but shouldn't? <laughs> you've got one ditch here. It, it, is, it doesn't matter what you declare. It matters what you demonstrate, right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. So, so Ava's in church. But after this service, Ava's going to go serve in the kids' ministry. And then she'll be at youth on Wednesday. And then she has a life group with the youth on Thursday. And then, you know, and then we're in the Word of God together at home, or at least we try to be when we're not screaming at each other, right? I mean, we're trying to do these things. And we're trying to pray together and, and, and pray for the, the community together and for our church together and for you together. So if I'm not equaling that with, with what, what I'm digging here, I'm fooling myself. I'm digging ditches that are temporal, that won't matter in the end. Some of you, your finances are your biggest ditch that you need a blessing in. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not afraid to talk about money. We shouldn't be. It's Jesus talked about it more than anything else, if you're wondering. Something he talked about the most. And the number one request we get as a church is financial help. I need financial help. And I'm okay with that, of course. I mean, I get it. I get it. But the first thing we ask as a church, you know what we ask? After we look at some stuff... We're, okay, tell me, first of all, where are you giving to? What do you mean, where am I giving to? I, I'm, I'm coming here because I don't have anything to give. And my, my thought is, you never will. Because you're not digging a ditch. See, the principles in God's word are so different. And I'm not saying you have to dig a huge ditch or a valley ditch right away, but you've got to dig a ditch. It's why we teach people that when you give, it opens up a reservoir for God to give to you. I'm not just talking money, trust me. I'm talking way bigger blessings than money. But, but it's so hard for people to understand it because this is, these concepts aren't of the world. The world is the opposite of what I'm preaching today, okay? The, the world is the opposite. God says, dig a ditch, give. Start giving. I can't, I, I already told Start giving. It's why when we talk about tithing, it's crazy for people. Uh, hey, return 10% back to God. And it's like, oh, what? Return 10% back to God? I, okay, I, 100% is it? I can't even, what are you talking about? And I'll, I'll beg them, just try it. Try it for 90 days and watch what God does. No one's ever regretted it. And I tell them, you know what you're doing? When you, when you return 10%, you dig a ditch. God, there's the 10% I've just dug. And God's like, oh my God. You're trusting me. You're believing in me. And here's what people find out. Here's what they find out. The, the 90% that you have left with God's blessing goes farther than the 100% without God's blessing. This is a fact. The Bible even says it. When you're faithful with what you've been given, I will give you more. In other words, God says, when you dig the ditch, I'll send the rain. Come on. I mean, I want the rain in my life. I hope you do too. I'll help you do whatever it takes to unlock what God wants to do in your life. It requires faith, ditch-digging faith. It is dreaming big. But you know what? It's also being willing to start small. That's why I tell people, okay, when it comes to giving, maybe you just can't come out the gate 
Maybe it's 10 bucks. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, it's saying, I'm digging a ditch. It's saying, God, I want you to bless me. It's saying, God, I trust you, even when it doesn't make sense. Ditch digging faith dreams big, but it's willing to start small. Zechariah was another prophet. Listen to what he wrote. 4.10. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Somebody out there, you're in a situation, and you're like, I don't know if it's a job. I don't know if it's a relationship. I don't know what it is. But, but you're like, oh, it's just... It's just not going anywhere. It's just I'm not getting any, any momentum. Don't despise small beginnings. That's where everybody starts. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. How did they dig a valley of ditches? One scoop at a time. When we launched Meadows Church three plus years ago, you know what a small beginning is? It's a handful of people in a, in a house basement that were, that's being rented. That's where we were at. We didn't have much at all. We had faith. We were digging ditches. We were inviting people. We were loving people. We were opening the word of God. We were, we were uh, worshiping together. We were doing all that. But at the end of the day, we're still a church that's inviting you to a, some stranger's house in a neighborhood to come down to our basement. Okay? It's just not, you know, there's the Kool-Aid. I'm sure I don't. You know, it's, people just get a little worried. So, but we were digging ditches. I'll never forget when the doorbell rang. Pete and Kendra's house, we opened the door. Hey, we're here for church. I was like, someone's here? I mean, I was like shocked. I'm like, you seriously? And people start coming. And I'm like, these people must be crazy. But whatever, yeah, they just come in. We would love them. And we kept digging ditches. And God kept sending people. And guess what? He sent so many people that we had to move out of that basement. And then we moved into another facility. And God kept doing what he was doing. We did our part. God did his part. And guess what? Finally, at that next facility, we had our first decision for Jesus. And I remember thinking, this is our first one. We moved here for this. We prayed about this. We've labored over this. We, we've, we've, we've tried to dig every ditch we can. And boom, somebody that day goes from death to life forever. Don't despise small beginnings. Never did I dream that three plus years later, we would go from just one decision for Christ to where we're at now. 394 people have given their lives to Christ at Meadows Church, and yet God is saying, I'm just getting started. I, you dig a ditch, I'll send the rain. I just, when I was first preaching, you know where I first started preaching? In kids' ministry. I'm preaching to third through fifth graders, okay? That's a hard crowd. I'm just being honest. You guys are easy compared to them. You know why? Because kids don't care. They'll tell you whatever. If you suck, they'll tell you. It's, it's yeah, and they did. Yeah, I remember preaching. There's a handful of kids in the elementary, but I preached like there was a million. And I stammered, and I stuttered, and I struggled, but I got the word of God out. Little did I know that I would keep digging ditches, keep digging ditches, keep digging ditches, and God would, would, would honor, honor the ditch digging and, 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 and provide so much more. And it ain't me, trust me, I'm not good. It's him. But, but you dig the ditch, God will send the rain. I kept writing it. You dig the ditch, God will send the water. You dig the ditch, God will send the water. You do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. And by the way, digging a ditch, when you dig a ditch, it's not just saying, I hope God shows up. I, I hope he shows up. No, no, no. Digging a ditch, you know what you're saying? You're saying, I believe that God will show up. I trust that God will show up. I know that God will show up. See, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God is saying to somebody, you show me your faith, and I'll show you my faithfulness. He wants to send the water. He wants to send the rain. He wants you to dig a ditch. He wants to bless you. 
in ways you cannot dream or imagine. You dig the ditch, he'll send the rain. You want the supernatural in your life, I believe that you do. God will do the super when you do the natural. I'm telling you, straight up. One day after church, it was just a few months ago, I was in the Welcome Center. We're playing the final song, and I'm out there getting ready to meet many of you that were new and pray with people and love people. And a guy comes up to me in the Welcome Center. And church wasn't done yet, but he was out there. And he said, hey, pastor, he said, I want you to pray for me. And I'm like, definitely, that's awesome, that's great. Because what he's doing in that moment, what's he doing? Right? He's grabbing a shovel. He's grabbing a shovel. He's saying, I want God to move. I want God to bless me. I need a prayer. So I pray with him, and I said, what's going on? And he says, uh, I'm vaping, and I'm addicted, and I've tried to quit. And I'm like, addiction is my heart. And I'm like, dude, thank you for letting me pray with you. And he's, tell- and he's opening up and getting vulnerable. And I'm like, I love it, because the more, the more open you get, the more God can do it. And the, more, the less of a grip the devil has, the more you share, the less of a grip the devil has. So he's telling me this, and we pray together, and then you know what he does? This, and this was the ditch-digging part for him. M- remember what most people do. Most people will stop at the prayer. Most people, and I'm not saying it's bad, prayer is grabbing the shovel. That's what he's doing. But we get done praying, and he reaches in his pocket, and he grabs out his, I don't know what they're called, vaping mechanism or vapor, I don't know. But anyway, he grabs his dealy, and he, uh, that don't sound right. Anyway, so he, <laughs> he grabs it, and he hands it to me. And he says, take it. I kid you not. You know what he did? That's what he did. This is what he did. He didn't have to do that. I'm like, that's bold. You're digging a ditch. Now understand something. If you were across the welcome center watching us interact and you watch him go in his pocket like this and look around and then me do this and grab it and put it in my pocket, you'd be like, that's Metal's church. You never know what you're going to, you know, whatever. But, you know, it would look weird. But I'm telling you, it, I was like so proud of him. So I call him this week and I tell him, I'm going to mention it. I'm not going to tell him your name, but I'm going to mention it. He's like, I said, how you doing? He said, Monty, God's doing miracles. God is doing miracles in my life when it comes to that. But you know what he said? Not just that, but in other things that are so much bigger than that. Remember, you, you, you do the digging, he'll send the water. I was blown away by what he was telling me. I couldn't wait to share it with you. But I'm going to ask you the question one more time. What water is being withheld from your life because you're not digging a ditch? That's the question that God has for you today. One time, I read this in my group with these guys this week that I meet with and we get in God's word together. We read John 9 this week. And there's a story in there where a guy is blind, been blind all of his life, comes to Jesus for healing like many did. What blew me away isn't that he was asking for healing. It was how Jesus did it. It was weird. Like, like the Bible says that the, the blind man, like, like Jesus uh, took his saliva and, and made like mud with his saliva and then smeared it all over the guy's eyes. And I'm like, okay, I've never seen Jesus do that trick before, but that, that's the way he did it. And you know what I thought about? I thought about, <laughs> I thought about before the miracle happened because people loved when Jesus did miracles, it would draw big crowds. And I, and I can't imagine the scene when the blind guy comes up and the disciples are like, oh my gosh. The blind guy's asking for healing from Jesus. Come, you go, come. Hey, you've been waiting for a miracle. This is happening, it's happening. And they're gathering everybody over. Jesus is gonna do it. You've been waiting two weeks for a miracle. We're gonna get it. There's a blind guy. And I, we know what Jesus is gonna do. 
And people are grabbing their phones and they're like, all right, I'm going to get my selfie. Jesus, Jesus, can you move over a little? Thank you. Yeah, right there, right there. And we're getting ready to do our selfies or our videos. And Jesus is there and, and they're like this. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden they hear. <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to delete that part. Uh, that wasn't what I was looking for there. I'm, in fact, Jesus, are you feeling okay? Because that was weird. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you spitting like that? And, oh, and now you're going to rub it all over his face? Okay, you know what, Jesus? I think I'm just going to wait for the next miracle. This is too weird. You know, it's not going to go viral. So, but Jesus spits in the dirt, rubs, the, touches the man, rubs his eyes. Then you know what he says to the guy? Did I put it in script? Did I put it? No, I didn't. I'll just tell you. You'll get, an, you'll get another scripture in a second. Jesus says to him, now you go dig the ditch. Now he didn't say that. What he said was, okay, you have mud all over your eyes. Go back there to the pool of Siloam and wash your eyes. Now if the man who's been blind since birth with mud on his face just says, I, okay, Jesus, you've just touched me. You've just, you've just, everybody's around. I, 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 the pool's way over there. If he just rubs the mud off, can he see? What, what, what if he doesn't go back to the pool? He's gotta do his part, right? So do you know when I think the man got healed? I don't think it was when Jesus spoke. I don't think the man's sight came back when Jesus spit. I don't think his sight came back. I don't even think his sight came back when Jesus touched him or put mud on his eyes. I think when Jesus told him to go wash his face, he was still blind. You know when the healing I believe happened? Is when he went back to the pool and grabbed the water and started to do what Jesus told him. And all of a sudden, he opens his eyes and he can see. See, if you do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. The story's insane. The religious people, like always, miss the miracle. The dude's been blind since birth, and they're mad because Jesus or somebody healed them on the Sabbath. They're insane. So anyway, so, so they're mad, and they're, they're quizzing the guy. Who did this? All mad at him. The dude's like, I can see. Are you kidding me? And, and they're like, I bet it was a sinner. That Jesus, that sinner, Jesus, that heathen. Listen to what the guy says. This guy has been touched by Jesus Christ. Here's what he says, John 9, 25. Listen to me. I don't know whether the guy, this Jesus that you're talking about, I don't know whether he was a sinner or not. All I know is this. I was blind. But today I see. A touch from Christ changes everything. But he expects you to participate in the miracle that he wants to do in your life. Have you been touched like that by Jesus? What's so interesting about God's grace? Here's what's so crazy about it. The miracle of the cross and the empty tomb, that miracle is, a, the miracle upon miracles is that the tomb was uh, full with the dead body and then it was empty because Jesus was alive. That's the gospel, that Jesus came to do something you can't do. You can't do it. You're, you're muddy. You're messy. You're a sinner. I don't need to talk you into that. You know it and I know it. And Jesus comes, he says, you know what? I'll do what you can't do. And he goes to a cross. And he dies a criminal's death to take away all your sin and stain. That's what he does. But he doesn't stop there. They put him in a tomb. And then he does what only he can do. Three days later, he brings himself back to life. 
the greatest miracle in history. Those are things you can't do. You can't go to a cross and take away the sins of the world. You can't go into a tomb and resurrect yourself from dead to life. You can't do it, but God can, and he did it for you. So what's the deal? It's the miracle, that's the miracle, God, that saves us. Actually, it didn't. That, 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 it doesn't save you until you participate in it. Did you know that? It's crazy. You can't earn nothing. You'll never be good enough and neither will I. That miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we celebrate it every year. We celebrate it every year and go crazy about it, and as we should. That miracle, it's not a miracle for you until you participate. You know how you participate? Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to, by your faith, the Bible says you're saved by God's grace through your faith. Your faith. Like, if you don't do your part, if you don't, by faith, this is your faith, and you say, you know what? I'm digging a ditch. I'm going to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man and the Son of God. I'm going to believe by faith. I'm grabbing a shovel. I'm digging. I'm believing that he is God's Son, that he died on a cross, was dead, and three days later, the greatest miracle, miracle in history, he rose from the dead. I believe it. And that's what you do. You believe that by faith. If you don't do that and you don't sell out to it and you don't ask him to come into you and make you new, forgive your sins, the miracle doesn't matter. It's worthless to you. It's worthless. It means nothing. Because if you don't do what you can do, the miracle's not complete. You have to do what you can do. You know how many people out there believe in the resurrection of Jesus, believe that he went to the cross, and they're going to hell? Why? Because they haven't participated in it. They haven't, by faith, called on the name of the Lord and said, Jesus Christ, I believe. I believe in it. And by my faith, I'm asking for you to make me new. Come into me. I need your Holy Spirit. That's the dish digging that you got to do. And when you do it, Jesus will do what he cannot. He's already done his part on the cross. He's already done his part in the tomb. You need to, by faith, call on his name. Online, you're going you're gonna to type, I choose Jesus, in the comments. You're going to text, I choose Jesus, one word to 474747. In the room, there's cards. You mark your decision. That is you grabbing your shovel. That is you saying, I, I believe it. I'm selling out to it. I want Jesus to make me new. If Jesus will do what he can do or what you cannot do, you do what you can do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest miracle in history. But you, by faith, have to do your part. It's like Jesus is saying, now it's your turn. You stretch out your hand. You pick up your cross. You get out of the boat. You grab your shovel and start digging. You do what you can do, and God will do what you cannot. Give him praise if you're grateful that Jesus died for you. I can't hear you. Give him praise if you're, yeah, yeah, he's a good God. For God's sake, grab your shovel. I'm inviting the prayer team up, the rest of the worship team up that's not up here. Here's what we're doing, and I'm done, and I'm praying for you in a second. This is what I'm doing. We're going to line up shovels all the way across the stage with scripture on them. Here's what you're going to do if God's leading it. Only do it if, if God's telling you to do it. Ain't playing church. We're being the church. If you're ready to dig a, dig a ditch, I don't know what area. I don't know where at in your life. But if you're saying by faith, I will dig a ditch. I will take a stand. I will do something. And then God will, you will do what I cannot. If you're willing to do that during this final song or during this music time, when they're done here, We'll, lo we'll lower the lights, you'll come up, 
Yeah, yeah, take, just put shovels all the way across the stage. And you're going to come up and you're going to grab a shovel. And you're going to put it in your office. Or you're going to put it in your car. Or you're going to put it, I was going to say in the bathroom. That's weird. But what, I don't care where you put it. It don't matter to me. You put it where you can see it. Because it reminds you, I'm digging a ditch. My king loves me. Do you hear that? Your king loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. Not because you're good, but because he's good. He loves you. Would you sell out to the love of Christ? Would you sell out and ask yourself, what ditch am I not digging? And you make a commitment. That's, what, that's who's coming to get these shovels. You're making a commitment. And you're saying by faith, and I'm walking up here by faith. When you walk up, you're digging a ditch, by the way, just so you know. When you walk up, you're digging a ditch. And by faith, God will bless it. But you've got to do your part. Will you do your part? If you do, he'll do his. Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. Your grace. Mm. Father, the story today, true story today, is amazing. Men that aren't even serving you. Men that aren't even seeking you. But yet, because you're so grace-filled and so merciful, you bless them with water that fills ditches, that takes care of them and everybody around them. That's what you want to do. You don't want to hold back your blessings. You don't want to hold back your love. You don't want to hold back anything that is good, your redemptive power. You, you want to give it out. God, I pray for everybody here today. In about, in about 14 seconds, they're going to have an opportunity to come up and say, I'm digging ditches. I'm grabbing a shovel. I'm doing my part. God, I thank you for the people that will surrender their life to you, that they will dig a ditch. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that you will be saved is with Christ in you. It's the only way. There is no other way. You cannot earn it. You cannot earn it. But by faith, you dig a ditch and say, I believe, in I believe he's God's son. I believe he died. I believe he rose. I ask him to forgive me and make me new. Come into me and make me new. Come into me and make me new. Come into me and make me new. Touch me. I want to see. I don't, I don't know anything about Jesus. I just know that he touched me. I was dead, but today I live. God, we love you, we thank you. We believe, we declare, and we'll never stop shouting that in you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.